Yes. It's that's what collaboration is. It can be so much more than oh, two photographers getting together and doing this photo thing. It can be endless. The possibilities are are out there. So just taking the time to meet with other businesses or other creatives that maybe don't fit your market and trying to work out things that might be very unique or different that can benefit both of you is awesome. And you're going to really then stand out from other people in your industry because you're doing this thing that's really different and cool. Shawnee. And I'm Sarah. And you're listening to the Creative Legacy Podcast, a podcast to help creative entrepreneurs build their business while leading a life of intention, joy, and adventure. If you've been following us recently, we put out a call to action to see if you wanted to know anything specifically from us, whether it was a business question, a personal question, and we were so impressed by all the responses, but we got one question that we loved so much that we wanted to turn it into an entire episode. And that's what we're talking about today. Yes, there were so many fun questions. But the one we're going to talk about in today's episode comes from Erin O'Dower. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But she asked, hey, ladies, you two are so cute and working together on this podcast. So my question is, what are your best tips for navigating collaborations and partnerships? What's the beginning, middle, and end steps to take to ensure it's fair for both sides? And how do you decline a request for one when you're too busy, it doesn't align with your business goals, or you simply don't want to take part? Not out of spite, but for self-care or preferring not to. That is a huge question that we couldn't possibly just answer in one five-minute stretch. So we wanted to turn it into this entire episode because there's so many great parts here about collaboration, about making sure it's the right fit for you, for your business, for your life, that we wanted to really take our time and get into it. So to kind of break it down, the first part we have is best tips for navigating collaborations and partnerships. And I don't know, Sarah, if you want to kind of touch on any partnerships or collaborations you had, maybe not just this podcast, but anything you've had as a designer, how you kind of navigated those waters. I think for collaboration, the best tip is that both of you have to go into it knowing that you're going to have to put in effort. It's not a one-sided thing. So making sure that you both know what you are going to put into it, what you expect from the other person, and what they expect from you. I think that is a perfect way that you mentioned is the expectations. You don't want to just go into a collaboration and not have those laid out. So before starting any collaboration, if you see someone that you love their business or you love what they're doing, you need to make sure you take time to meet with them. And if you want to collaborate, you set out those guidelines right away that everyone knows what they're doing, almost like a contract. And if you want to write out a contract too, even with friends, I always suggest is a good idea, especially like styled shoots or things like that, because things can go crazy. And I've heard some horror stories from other vendors working with photographers that, okay, we did this styled shoot. I put my all into it. and I haven't even seen the pictures yet, or I have no idea where they're going, or I don't know, I don't know what the plans are. So making sure your expectations 
and what each of you are doing is laid out, that the roles are defined, that I will provide you with this, this, and this, and this is what I expect in return. And that goes for everything, not just I'm talking about sales shoot, but I've started getting into the world of like influencing and having companies reach out to me to like promote their products and things like that. And so we have a very clear, I expect this from this company that they'll pay me, that they'll, you know, do these different things within this many days. And they expect me to share this thing or take this photo or whatever their guidelines are. So having that stated and really laid out and clear is the best first start to collaboration. There are two things that I absolutely love in what you said. One is the meeting because you can have an idea for a collaboration and you can both absolutely love it, but you might not be the best fit personality wise. So even if you have this great idea, it might not work out the best because you're butting heads. The second thing was the contract, making it have the feel of a business transaction and thinking about how I work with clients, having expectations in the contract and deadlines of knowing when things need to be done by, it's very much the same for a collaboration. Right, because that can be the first step is someone has this idea of a collaboration, they're reaching out to people, and it doesn't even fit in your time frame. And so just being very clear of, okay, I'm doing this for fun, I don't care when it gets done, or what happens with it, or whatever. Or if you have a more set thing of, yes, I want to do this, and I want to get it published, and if it's not published by this date, then this is happening, whatever. Um, it has, But with your negotiating and, and collaborating, you have to figure out your dates on top of everything else that people aren't waiting around expecting for things to happen or they're not waiting around to, to see the end result. There has to be set times and place for everything. When whatever, whatever collaboration I am working on, I make sure my role is very clear. If I'm the one leading it, then I make sure the vendor's roles are very clear when they're supposed to be there, when they're supposed to show up what they're supposed to contribute, and then everyone knows what my actions are after. So if it is a styled shoot, that is just like a really good idea for a collaboration. That's why I keep using that example where everyone can kind of take part in it. If it's a styled shoot, then I make sure that if I'm trying to publish the images, they know I'm trying to publish by this date. They know these are the publications I'm going after. They know that after a certain date, if they don't get it, if it doesn't get published, then they get the images. There's just a whole system laid out where there's no guessing games. There's no, okay, what do I do? It's all figured out. So there's, there's not the animosity then if they're questioning what's happening, it's all very clear. So I think just kind of narrowing this down to the best tips, I think making sure it is mutually beneficial, make sure that you will work together well, that your expectations are clear and that you know your deadlines and what dates you need to meet. Totally. That's like the perfect recap of, of everything. And I think the biggest thing before you take any partnership or collaboration is to make sure it fits with what you want to do, what your why is, your why's, are they the same, all of that. Can you fit it into your schedule? Because we get a lot of emails or messages saying, hey, I want to collaborate with you. I want to do this. But if it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't work with your schedule, it's okay to say no. And you don't have to be nice and try to squeeze it in. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, exactly. 
So we've talked about it a little, but going into the next part of Aaron's question, what are the beginning and middle and end steps to make sure that is fair for both sides? For me, when I look at a collaboration, and even if it's just something where maybe we're doing a workshop together and we're going to each side is coming in to do a certain part of the workshop, I always want to sit down no matter what at the beginning and just lay everything out there. What are our goals? What what's our budget? What's what's our all the little bit little bitty details at the beginning? Because you don't want anything to come up after or in the middle and scramble to figure it out. You want to have a good plan laid out so then when you go into this, you're ready, you have your questions answered. I think that's like the first step. Mm-hmm. I agree. And knowing too what each person's strengths are. Like, so when we started talking about doing this podcast, I have the graphic design end and you have the photography end. You are really experienced in writing more and I have the experience with audio. So we are able to break things up based on our strengths. Right. And what we enjoy to do as well. I If I have to spend any time doing graphic design, I'm like, uh, I don't know. Does this look good? You know, I, I'm not, <laughs> don't feel very confident in it, but I can write up a post or I can share something on social media or whatever. So it's, that's a good point of you want to make sure you're finding things in your collaboration that showcase your strengths. And that's why collaboration can be so beautiful because there's no way I would have ever done a podcast by myself I don't have the experience nor the passion for some of the parts of it that where Sarah does. And I would say Sarah has the same situation where she might not have the passion or or even the time to do all of it, that it's nice for us to come together and make our dreams come true in a collaboration where it never would have happened if it was just solo. Yes, for sure. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) So then getting to the middle, I feel like that is more the doing part of a collaboration And I'd have to say that communication is the biggest thing for this part. You're both having your own parts that you are doing. And if you have any questions or concerns, you need to be able to communicate that with each other. And so like in a styled shoot, you have to make sure that all of the photographers and vendors are set for that day. And then that day, make sure everything lines up with how each of you envisioned it. That's, that is so true. And where I find that collaborations fail or or don't reach their full potential is when the communication is lacking. So with Sarah and I, like in the podcast, we are communicating nonstop. We're always very clear of what, when things are happening, but there's also that grace there of if something doesn't happen right when we said it was, we, we know in our, our relationship is that okay, then we'll do the next day or I'll pick up the slack or whatever it may be because we're not just collaborating, but we're also friends. So we have that relationship. But if you have a more business type situation, you need to make sure that your communication is strong and it is clearly laid out. I've heard from a lot of vendors that work with other photographers that they don't know where their images are. They they put in time and their work, whether it was with hair, doing hair and makeup or doing whatever for, you know, contributing to it. And they don't even know when they're getting their images. They don't know what's happening. And then it's months, months later. And I totally understand as photographers, we get 
you know, we have our paid shoots to edit, we have our weddings to edit, we have whatever, but we then need to make it very clear ahead of time. It might be up to a year before you get the images back, or it, I'm going to try to get it published first. And within six months, if it's not, then you can see them. Or if I have a sales shoot and I'm not trying to get it published, use them, share them however you want. I'll have them edited by the state. So you just want to make sure it's very clear because life happens. And if you don't give yourself that, that timeline and communicate that with everyone, then people are going to be questioning and it not only isn't a good idea for your partner or whoever you're working with, but then it kind of gets out there into the community or into the different industry you're in and people go, oh, well, I'm still waiting on images or I'm still having her back from this person to collaborate with or there's that weird tension there just because you haven't communicated what your expectations are. Have you had any experience in the middle of a collaboration where things just aren't working out because of a lack of communication? I've had a few things like that where I'm trying to get a hold of someone or we had planned to do this and I haven't heard back. But for the most part, I'm. it's been pretty good about, we said that we were very clear at the beginning that this is what we're doing and this is what we're going for. So if I'm collaborating with someone and then we're trying to add on other vendors or things like that, and if that doesn't work out, we give them a date of, if we haven't heard back from you by this time, then we will assume that you're too busy or you don't want to be a part of this. And that's totally fine. But we kind of put those things in place. The people I've worked with on workshops or in, in sales shoots that there is this like little sentence then that they don't have to say no. It kind of is a nice out. They don't have to say no. They can just not respond. And then I will assume that they're not going to be a part of this. Um, everyone that has responded or wants to be a part of something, because I'm so clear about the dates that I'm doing it, what is expected of them, that they follow through with it because they know how important it is. And I try to align myself. That's the biggest part with collaborations is I try to align myself with people that I trust or is going to do great work or I I know they're reputable. And it's hard sometimes when you're starting out to know those people are, but it just comes from experience and, and just getting out there, maybe sitting down with them, meeting for coffee before you are going to collaborate with them on something big. I think that's great. And just be aware and cautious of it. I have this worst fear of going back to school, like in middle school or high school, and you get those group projects, and someone does not want to put in the work, and then you are stuck doing it all. And I just, <laughs> I hate that feeling. I think I think we've all been there, and I think there's some collaborations where I know I'm taking on some more of it, and some of it I know maybe it was even my own fault of I was always that kid in the group project was like, I'll just do it all. <laughs> and that's, that's definitely not a, a strength of mine. That is a fault of I'll try to do it all. And I had to let other people come in and, and offer help, but it, it's just good. That's when it's good to meet with each other to really know each other's strengths and, and lay out a plan. So that doesn't come down to you're doing all the work or they're slacking or they would do work, but they feel like you're taking over. So, um, and I know I probably have been guilty of, I don't want to say steamrolling because that seems very harsh, but I know I have, my energy is very like strong. So I have to sometimes take a step back and let other people come in um, and collaborate with. Awesome. So in wrapping up the collaboration process, making sure all of those expectations are met, 
sharing it and being generous of what you're putting out there, I guess is something I'd like to say. So when you're collaborating, you're sharing work from each other. So make sure it's always in a positive light and not something that could be viewed as a negative. And being generous and tagging them on social media so the people that are following your work can find them as well and talking about why you wanted to work with them in the first place. I know we keep talking about styled shoots, but I think that's like a big topic that photographers ask me, how do I pull off a really good styled shoot? How do I make sure I am cultivating great relationships with these vendors? And I think the end, the follow through is the biggest thing that if you say you're going to do something, you better do it. You better do it on time and then you better over deliver. So I always state that I'm going to share these photos and if they publish great, whatever, but then I go above and beyond and make sure that everyone gets access to this gallery. They can use them however they want. I don't care if they show up on their website. I don't, they can not have a watermark on it. I don't care. I don't need that because they gave me their time and their talent and I want to give them something back where they can promote their business. I also like to give gifts because I'm such a huge like gift giver. That's totally my love language. So I like to share a little something with vendors that contributed to a styled shoot, whether it's like a little bottle of wine or a treat or something. I just want to thank them for being so awesome and kind of taking a chance on me and what I'm doing. Uh, I've done a couple of styled shoots now. I've done a couple of workshops and my vendor group now is pretty tight of, I really like to work with certain people because they have shown up for me. They're great collaborators. We have the same style. We have the same vision and we have the same kind of clientele as well. So if I'm working with someone that maybe has different clientele, it doesn't really make sense where it can be mutually beneficial for us to get booked. But I always want to find people where their whys and their businesses aligned with my whys and my business. And you need to make sure that you're taking care of them and following through. They're not just something that you can use and kind of drain their energy and their, their work and for your good, you need to make sure you're helping them grow too and giving them something back. It has to be beneficial for both. Just before we move on to the next part of the question, since we have been talking a lot about style shoots, I'd love to throw out a few other examples of collaboration. Yeah. So I know sharing blog posts and guest blogging on each other's website is a great example. Doing work in exchange for an in-kind sponsorship for an organization that you're really passionate about or getting involved in an event are all great examples of collaboration. There's awesome collaborations between other businesses for events. I know we have talked with the awesome owner of Genstar Yoga. She does a lot of collaborations of doing yoga at different places in the area, whether it's with Badger State Brewery or, you know, it could be anywhere, but she's really good about taking her business and what she offers, awesome yoga classes, and then putting a spin on them. So whether having it at Badger State Brewery where you can get beer and do yoga, awesome. Like, so you're hitting that market of yogis and beer lovers, and now both people are going to benefit. Both businesses will benefit. Or she has this awesome DJ come in, DJ Sean Anthony, whoop, whoop, and come into her studio and he plays music and it's totally awesome and it like lights are low and it's really neat. So then you have this other awesome experience that both parties, again, are benefiting from. You're getting his name out there, you're getting her name out there, and it's helpful. So I think events and collaborating on that, whether you want to put on like a workshop or a cool event, 
is awesome. And you just have to make sure though, again, that your values align. And I know Jen had talked about the last time we had chatted personally that she's had somewhere it wasn't always a good fit and has had a pull out of it before it was done. But you want to make sure that everything is going to work out for everybody. Yes. I think she is such a great example too of thinking outside of her own industry to collaborate with other businesses. Yes. it's That's what collaboration is. It can be so much more than, oh, two photographers getting together and doing this photo thing. It can be endless. The possibilities are, are out there. So just taking time to meet with other businesses or other creatives that maybe don't fit your market and trying to work out things that might be very unique or different that can benefit both of you is awesome. And you're going to really then stand out from other people in your industry because you're doing this thing that's really different and cool. All right. So then the next part of the question is how to decline a request. Yeah, we kind of touched on that where I had said that Jen has had things where she's had to step away from. And I've also had things where it doesn't fit. Um, and I think the biggest thing with with that is you don't want to decline it just to be rude. And I don't think anyone is. You need to make sure that, again, it fits with all these factors first. Does it fit with your why and your business model? Does it? Do you have the time to even do it? Are you going to be stressed out doing it? You know, it all needs to fit in. So I think you need to really look at that. And if your heart isn't 100% in it, then I think it's a good idea to either table it for a later time because I've definitely had situations like that where like this is great but can we do this in six months or something like that or um, if you're really feeling like you know this just isn't where my head or my heart is at and I need to, to decline it I think that's totally fine and I think being just very authentic with that person is the best route to send an email or if they emailed you or if they called you or however they contact you to get a hold of them and just say, you know, this is an awesome idea and I love where you're going with this, but at this time I cannot, I can't give you my best self. I can't give you my best work because of whether it's self-care or you're too busy or whatever the situation may be. And then I, I think it's really nice with whatever you're doing, if you're saying no to something, to then say, I would love to help you out. So whether you're, if they're looking for, let's say, a photographer, I would love to then refer them to people that might be interested in this opportunity because maybe they have more time or maybe this is more aligned with their brand or whatever it may be. But I don't ever just want to say no. I want to make sure I get them on track to help get the end goal in mind to help them find what they're looking for. That's perfect. I, I can't add anything to that. <laughs> I think just, yeah, being your true self and being honest about it, whether you can't handle it right now or you think it's not the best fit for you and maybe giving that suggestion of who else? Well said, Shane. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you to Erin for asking this question. It was a great conversation on collaboration. We learned, I think, a lot from collaborating with each other on this podcast, and I think it's made us better business owners and friends, and has made us, I think, more open to collaboration, where maybe if you're starting out as your own solo entrepreneur, it kind of can seem a little scary putting yourself out there, but it never hurts. You have this idea to go out there and ask people, send emails, find people that you think are awesome and want to work on something with them. Everyone 
is open to getting those responses. If they're too busy and they say, no, that's fine. Just keep moving along and don't be afraid to go out there and start some awesome collaborations of your own. To add to that, don't be afraid to talk about what you want to do and to ask. You're not going to get someone to come up to you and say, hey, I'd like to do this thing with you. So don't be afraid to put the idea out there. The more you talk about it, the more likely you are to find the right person to do that collaboration with. Totally. You just have to be open to sharing ideas and knowing that the right people will come along and, and going out there and trying to find them. You know, you you can't just wait around and go, I would love to do collaboration, but I don't know anyone. Well, put yourself out there. Go meet people, email people, go to your local Rising Tide Society meetup and find like-minded people that you'd love to work with. Well, we did receive a really fun question from Kristen Ruder that we wanted to add to in this episode. And that was, if you could eat ice cream every day for breakfast, what flavor would it be? Have you thought about this, Shanae? I know I've been thinking about it. This question really threw me, the breakfast part, because I could eat ice cream every day, but ice cream for breakfast every day? I don't know. Um, I wanted to say something exotic, like some crazy awesome flavor that would fit with breakfast, but honestly, it would probably just be chocolate ice cream because it's my favorite. Chocolate ice cream is my favorite, favorite thing. If I could add like peanut butter to it, like the peanut butter explosion from Zesty's, probably be that, but I would, I don't think that would be very good for me for breakfast every day, but that's probably what I would pick. (laughs) How about you, Sarah? The breakfast thing definitely threw me for sure. Maybe, like, vanilla with strawberries is a bit more breakfasty. That's healthier. <laughs> but my favorite flavor is from Brain Freeze, which serves chocolate chip ice cream. And that is chocolate chip cookie dough with a peanut butter swirl. That sounds amazing. Let's just skip breakfast and just eat ice cream. I think that sounds good. But not every day. <laughs> no, but not every day. <laughs> Shanae, do you want to let people know where they can find you online? They can find me on Instagram at, at Shawnee Teske or on Facebook at Shawnee Teske Photography. And if you want to give me a shout out and tell me what your favorite ice cream is, that would be awesome because I don't know what other people would want to eat for breakfast, but I want to know. What about you, Sarah? Where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at Sarah Schrader Design and Yeah, I want to hear more answers to this question. It's very interesting, even if it's just to hear more ice cream flavors, because you can never have enough (laughs) ice cream. Yes, never. 